Welcome to the Cookery by the Book podcast with me, Susie Chase. This is Charles Mayfield, one half of the Mayfield duo uh, with their new book, Weeknight Paleo, 100 plus easy, delicious, family-friendly meals for you and your family. is the difference between paleo and your particular take on paleo? I would say that our version of paleo is just where we've settled with, you know, years of tinkering and experimentation, uh, you know, exploring what what foods work well for us and what foods don't. And, and so I think that's our definition of paleo isn't probably that far off of most folks. It's just we make it work for us. And, uh, we were, we were, I, I, am hesitant to use the word strict, uh, but, but, you know, we, we spent some time being very, very strict and methodical about avoiding, you know, grains, beans, dairy. That's sort of the, the 30,000 foot view of, of paleo. And, and we still, to this day, I don't eat wheat, uh, or I certainly don't, uh, I don't seek out wheat. Uh, you know, if it gets snuck into something that I'm unawares, I, I don't have a reaction to wheat. Soy is a different story. Uh, we eat some dairy from time to time, cheese and ice cream, and I'll, I'll have an occasional glass of milk, but, you know, I, I tolerate it. Uh, Julie doesn't eat or drink milk. Um, our kids will have an occasional glass of milk or, or sip of milk. Uh, but, but yeah, our, our definition is, I'd say we're probably we've probably slid more towards in our home personally a little bit more primal uh which is sort of the inclusion of dairy certainly fermented dairy but there's still foods that we avoid uh we don't eat wheat uh, soy we'll eat corn but the corn that we eat is generally fresh corn grown so we generally don't eat a lot of stuff out of a box or a can Our Stone Age ancestors left behind no menus or cookbooks. How do we really know what they ate? We know that they ate what was available, and we know what was available around them. So, and and they didn't, they didn't, (laughs) they weren't too picky. Um, You know, uh, hunter-gatherers, optimal foraging strategies and all that. I I think they ate whatever was readily available and in season. Early farmers weren't... um, just shorter than hunter-gatherers. They were also more sickly. You talk about food as healing. What are the health benefits? You've got all the micronutrients, all the vitamins, minerals. Uh, those are, I would say that's arguably the single biggest advantage to eating, you know, real unprocessed foods. Uh, if you start talking in terms of comparing, I think the lifestyle is is a big component to our to our ancestors. You know, they moved every day. They got plenty of sun. They were active. They were they had very very connected social networks. And I'm not talking about online. They had you know cradle to grave relationships with people uh, in and around them uh, on a constant basis. And so, you know, they got plenty of sleep. And 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 sleep is a part of paleo. I mean, we didn't write a sleep book, but we're we're in the food prep cooking business, but sleep is a huge component of that. And they slept, you know, nine, 10 hours a night. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot of different factors 
And, and so what we try to focus on is bringing forward into the modern day as much of that lifestyle as possible. And so, uh, goodness, our ancestors didn't have the convenience or luxury of planting uh, a garden of kale and spinach and, uh, and, and tomatoes and whatnot. And we have that luxury today. So let's, instead of foraging for our food, uh, in the wild, let's, let's put a little raised garden in our backyard and forage there. In the book, you have a handy chart for paleo beginners. Let's say if we want to avoid grains, what should we eat? Grain, uh, we'll do in the form of bread and we'll do in the form of say oatmeal. Okay. Perfect. So with, so with bread, we'll, we'll take your common sandwich. Well, a sandwich if you really think about it, no one ever eats, well, not many people eat a sandwich, just the bread. They typically put something super tasty in the middle of it. So the bread in that sense is really more of a construct or a, or a vehicle to get the really tasty stuff in your mouth. So we'll use like lettuce wraps or, uh, you know, there's, there's some processed foods out there that are fantastic, like a coconut wrap. You know, in this day and age, you can get gluten-free bread. Uh, in fact, they're, they're fairly common now. Um, but we generally just replace bread with something vegetable related. We'll make, uh, uh, we'll get big portobello mushrooms. So, so instead of like a sandwich, think a hamburger. So instead of a hamburger bun, maybe it's portobello mushrooms. It's a little messier, uh, but the kids love it. You know, all that juice going everywhere, but lettuce wraps, um, uh, portobello mushrooms, tomatoes, big thick slice of tomato as your bun. These are just some really fun ideas there. Uh, as it relates to like a porridge, you know, you can make your own uh, oatmeal or porridge out of, you know, dried toasted coconut and crushed up almonds, you know, any, any various uh, types of granola. Uh, and, and, and again, that's kind of what we're trying to encourage folks to do is just to make Make some of this stuff at home. Tinker with the ingredients yourself. Find what works for you. What are some easy ways to transition to paleo? Well, I'll just be blunt. Uh, empty out your pantry of anything and everything that we tell you not to eat. Find a couple of people and do it with them. And so whether you're eating out or eating in, uh, it's to, is to stock up your pantry with good decisions because... If there's a bad choice in there, you're going to find a way to talk yourself into eating it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, just have, have on hand all the really basic essentials. So some ghee or, or, uh, uh, ghee, coconut oil, olive oil. I'm just trying to think of stuff you would always cook with. So having some healthy fats sitting around is always good. Uh, you know, some canned, certain canned vegetables that keep well, you know, tomatoes, uh, have some coconut flour if you want to pan fry. I mean, just the pantry is really where all the all the action is. So get all the bad stuff out. You know, donate it to your local food bank, and uh, and and spend a couple of minutes, maybe an hour a week or a weekend, and plan your week, plan your meals. You know. Uh, I, I was a financial planner for many years, and, and we used to joke that more people spend people spend more time planning their Disney vacation than they do planning their retirement. And, and I think the same is, could be said for planning their nutrition. So 
you know, turn the boob tube off for, you know, an hour a weekend, sit down, write down what you want to eat. And that's really where the, some of the guides in our book come in is just trying to help people think about planning the week and cooking is really about suggestion and what works for you. And I think, especially for someone that's just getting involved and starting the cooking, you have this idea that you're supposed to be, you know, Bobby Flay. You just have to get in the kitchen and play around. And, and so if you, if there's an ingredient, I, which recipe were you playing with in our book? It was the uh, uh, trout. Uh, yeah. I made the trout with the, in parchment with tomatoes and basil oh, yeah, sauce. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's a, I love that recipe. It's super quick and easy. It, it, it's versatile with a lot of different, different fishes, uh, you know, uh, types of fish. But so there's a, there's a recipe in there for, uh, it, it, or the ingredient in there is olive oil and say, uh, fresh basil leaves, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And so someone might read that. Now, obviously if they prepped, and been to the store and gotten everything they need, then they'll have it. But someone might look at that recipe. It's super easy recipe and lose their mind because they don't have a quarter cup of fresh basil leaves. And what I'm telling your audience to remember is that's not the end of the world. Maybe you've got some dried basil leaves and we try those, or maybe you've got, instead of basil, maybe you've got some tarragon or cilantro. A cilantro. Yeah. So don't, Cooking is suggestion. Uh, so if you don't have a particular ingredient, it's okay. There's a substitute out there. And who knows, maybe you, maybe you uncover in your own very kitchen the, uh, the next trout and parchment paper recipe that's, that's not out there. You know, as odd as it sounds, I was thinking this would be a great pizza substitute. My kid loved this. And it kind of was along the lines of a pesto pizza. Mm hmm. It's it's been really fun for us, especially in developing these recipes and tinkering with this book and seeing how the kids. So how old are yours? Uh, I have a boy and he's 10. Boy and he's 10. So we've got a boy at four and girl at two. And uh, man, it's been it's kind of wild. They're polar opposites. Like Adeline will eat almost anything. Scott's very, very particular. So. So yeah, finding substitutions and, and you mentioned pizza, that's a great one to try and tinker with and substitute in on, especially with kids. And uh, so another thing with this recipe was I was a bit thrown off when I saw mayo was called for in the basil sauce. And I probably the only person in the world that just assumed mayo was dairy, but apparently it's not because it's egg yolks and oil and yep. eggs are not made from milk. But yeah, mayonnaise is not is I, I I call mayonnaise like the ultimate mother sauce. If you you know you're familiar with yes, it French, is French cuisine. Mm -hmm. and, you know you have your mother sauces. Mayo's like the ultimate sauce because we'll make aiolis and sauces out of that. Um, Julie, actually, one of the recipes in the book with the with the uh, the chicken tenders, the uh, chicken nuggets. Uh, the may mayo is the secret ingredient to making those chicken nuggets taste. Uh, as close as possible to uh, some of your more traditional fast food chicken nuggets that are out there, but just in a much healthier way. And our kids, if there was one food out of this book that they would both eat wholeheartedly and turn down 
everything else for is the chicken nuggets. Well, doing my research, I came across something called Grain Brain. A hmm. Florida neurologist wrote a book about how modern grains are destroying our brains. Have you heard of this? Perlmutter? David yes. Perlmutter's book? Yes. Uh-huh. And so what are your thoughts on um, modern grains? Because I feel like with, with the whole paleo plan, you get back to the original grains. Um, one of them, which you just mentioned, is that the, the grains we eat today are not anything like the grains we ate even 50 years ago. Some of the, the genetically modified um, the GMO wheat and soy and corn and various things. It's just a, it's a completely different uh, makeup of grain, the proteins and the various different uh, lectins and all that. So uh, the, the grain that we eat today is not, is not the same as it was 50 years ago. And, and beyond that, uh, he's a neurologist. So he talks about our brain and, and he does go into more detail on some of this other stuff in Brain Maker, his second book. But the uh, our brains haven't, or at least the argument that he's making is that our brains have not evolved in the last 10,000 years to really handle the constant high levels of sugar that we are exposed to when we eat and make grains a, a, a primary part of our diet. And so... He's making uh, he's making some assertions that uh, consuming these consuming modern grains, which are completely different than the ones we ate fifty or a hundred years ago, much less thousands of years ago, um, the the nutrient makeup and bioavailability of those nutrients is completely different, and uh, grains are so ubiquitous. They're so commonplace in our diet. And our, he's making the argument that our brains haven't evolved to really deal with that much sugar all the time. That's all they are. It's just sugar. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's not good for us. Books like Pearl Mutters are just scratching the surface on this. And, and I will say his second book, Brain Maker, and this is sort of part of where the paleo movement's one of the topics that they're sort of headed toward is this gut microbiome. So all of the healthy bugs and bacteria that, that inhabit our bodies. And so the grains that we eat aren't necessarily feeding and fueling the right bacteria. And so that leads to all sorts of um, health risks and health, health outcomes that aren't positive. The valgus nerve is the, is the primary nerve, uh, the valgus nerve and the brain grow out of the same nerve cell, nerve stem, and in, in, uh, in a human embryo. And so the gut and the brain are are truly connected. It's it's a fascinating book. If you have time, I would pick it up. So where can we find you on the web? PaleoComfortFoods.com. You can find us on Facebook at Paleo Comfort Foods. We're, we have an Instagram account. I think it's Paleo Comfort. Uh, but yeah, Facebook. Instagram, and then our website. Great. Thanks, Charles, for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast. Thank you, Susie. I've enjoyed it.